blessing. Felt like I was back in the Holy Land. All right. Well, listen, take your Bibles tonight, and hopefully you grab one of the prayer pa- or one of the outlines on the way in. We're in the book of Philippians tonight, and I've been uh, on Sunday evening, so when we don't have uh, something special going on, I've been going through this series about uh, the church uh, as Jesus intends it to be. And uh, tonight we want to talk about this church here. We're going to use the church in Philippi as the example. Of course, the Apostle Paul had much to do with this church. Uh, we recently went through the book of Philippians and studied the entire four chapters. And tonight we're going to look at just a portion of that in chapter number four. And I've entitled the lesson tonight, A Praying Church. This lesson may be a little bit more on the side of teaching than preaching tonight, but uh, hopefully uh, you will receive what God has given to me as uh, we look at this portion tonight. So beginning in verse number five tonight in Philippians chapter number four, uh, let's read. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things." Now, when you look at this portion, and there's other places you can go in the Bible to, to, to look at this church in Philippi, you find that what we need to understand is this, that the strength of a church, a Bible-believing church, lies in the prayer life of each member that constitutes that church. In other words, when we say a church should be a praying church, Yes, there is corporate prayer where we pray collectively, but there also needs to be the individual prayer life of each and every one of us. And that is something that all of us must have. Somebody said prayer is like the spark plug that sets the work of the church in motion. Uh, We need to be people that pray. Praying is what will keep our hearts in tune with the Lord. And we need to have God's heart, God's ear, And I think that a church that desires fruit, and that's what we saw today, is a church that really does pray. Uh, Let me encourage you, if you invited someone, whether they came today or did not come today, let me encourage you to pray for them and to follow up with them. Uh, If they came today, then follow up and say something like this. Did you enjoy the service? Did you have some questions? Is there something that maybe I can help you with when it comes to our church? And that may open up the discussion. But again, if you've bathed that in prayer, God will use that opportunity that you have with that person. If they did not come today, then don't give up on them. Sometimes things happen. People can't make it when they've said they were going to come. We shouldn't get discouraged. But nonetheless, if they did not come, again, pray for them and then ask God to use you to reach them that maybe they'll come in the days ahead. And we need to be a church that desires fruit. We have to be a church like the church in Jerusalem. That church was a church in the Word of God, Acts 1, that was characterized as a praying church. Look what the Bible says there. In verse 13, in your notes, the Bible says they were come in and they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, the Lord had just ascended to be with his father. Jesus had been with them for at least a ministry time period, about three, three and a half years. And what they were doing was seriously bathing this matter of 
ministry because the work of God was going to continue through them. And they were praying for the work that Jesus began, the work, by the way, that we're still a part of today, that we, just like them, need to be praying about God's direction and God's help in His work. See, prayer is God's people asking God to work in ways that we cannot. You see, God can do the impossible. There's only so much that we as finite people can do. That's why I mentioned earlier that many of us had that prayer page and we prayed for those people, some we didn't even know. And look, we invited, we went by, we, we gave them a couple cookies. Somebody said today, it was the cookies that made the difference. Well, hey, praise the Lord for a couple Oreo cookies. You know, if that's what it takes, then so be it. But see, when we get to the place where they do come, then that's honestly the end of what we can do. And the rest of it is up to the Lord. Prayer is asking God to work. Tonight, we look at this church in Philippi, and this was one of those churches that Paul, under God's leading, was able to establish. He did this church. He, he was able to see this church birth in his second missionary journey as he was traveling around. And Paul led many of these people in Philippi to Christ. One of those was Lydia, the seller of purple. Uh, Lydia was one that Paul led to, the, to Christ. There was women down by the river. And Paul was able to lead her. Remember when Paul and Silas were locked up in jail? And at midnight, they sang and praised and uh, praised God. And the, the, the Philippian jailer was scared for his life. And Paul, Paul said, when the man said, what must I do to be saved? What a wonderful, easy way. There's not many soul winning calls like that. But Paul had an opportunity to see that jailer as well as others put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, this church in Philippi was very dear to Paul. He cared for these people because they were a part of his life. He remained faithful to them even in his absence. He prayed for them. He prayed and corresponded with them. In the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and in our Bibles, it's this book we're in tonight, known as the book of Philippians, Paul challenges this church, this body of believers, to continue to walk with the Lord even during times of persecution. This was a church that was enduring persecution, and he encouraged them that the only way they would get through that time of persecution was to deepen their prayer life. And I want you to see tonight the practice of the believers, because many times we are prone to think that we have it more difficult than other people do. Again, I mentioned this morning in Sunday school about oftentimes we compare ourselves with ourselves. And the Bible tells us when we compare ourselves, we are not wise. But when you study this time period historically, which lines up with the Word of God, it was during the reign of a very wicked man by the name of Nero. And these people that lived in Philippi, as well as many others, they were having difficulties because of their faith in Christ and because of the persecution by the Roman Emperor Nero. It was a, a time where uh, they, they, were, they were suffering for Christ unlike there had ever been before. Uh, many of them lost their lives. They lost their families and their friends to persecution. Others lost their homes. Some of them lost their jobs. It was a very difficult time to live for Christ. Yet these Christians that Paul is writing to here, they endured the suffering. They went through the persecution, but the key is that they did it with a Christ-like spirit, and they had a steadfast hope. There was something that helped them. I want you to see in verse number five how they endured graciously. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. He encouraged the church, listen now, to let their moderation be known unto all men. Now, I think when we see something like this in the Word of God, 
We need to be students of the Word of God and understand what exactly, listen, not what Paul is saying to them, but what is God saying to them as Paul wrote these words down. The word moderation can be defined as tenderness, graciousness, contentment, sweet reasonableness. I mean, you look at all those things about tenderness and and reasonableness, when you think of the word moderation, think about the injustices that they had been enduring because of Nero and his hatred towards Christians. And what did they do? They responded to the hatred with grace. The grace of God was evident in their lives. There was a sweetness in their testimony, and that sweetness actually defined and defied the natural responses of the flesh. I mean, oftentimes when somebody attacks us, what do we do? We lash back. You remember what Jesus did when he was reviled? He reviled not again. That's exactly the way this church was. In spite of the persecution, he says, let your moderation, your sweetness, your wonderful testimony of the grace of God, let it be known unto all men. And listen, this matter of moderation is something that we all as Christians are commanded to practice. It is not something that we just will do. Uh, As a matter of fact, this, this moderation, this sweetness is something that I believe, as you study the scriptures, comes from the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit helps us. And, it, it, and the Holy Spirit helps us as, listen, we yield our rights to the Lord. And as we live our lives for Him, when we respond as a child of God with moderation to the injustices that are in the world today, guess what happens? God is glorified. People, people think to themselves, when they see a Christian responding in a gracious way to an injustice, people think to themselves, I didn't know people acted that way. I've never seen someone be that nice, that gracious, that sweet, knowing that they were treated the way that they were treated. Boy, there are times where I don't want to be that sweet to people sometimes. Uh, But yet I'm reminded that we need to let our moderation be known unto all men. In other words, our spirit, listen, our spirit is just as important as our message. And what good is the message if our spirit is out the window? We've got to have the right attitude as a Christian. When Christians live and they preach strong convictions, but they do it with a gracious spirit, others will be drawn to them by the testimony that they live. You know, there's nothing wrong with having strong convictions in your life, knowing what you believe and living by it, but having the right spirit about it. In addition to this matter of having a sweet reasonableness when it comes to moderation, the word also refers to contentment. This is something that a lot of people struggle with, being content with such things as you have. We talked this morning about the rich man that honestly, like many in this world today, it's never enough. But the Bible tells us that we need to have contentment in our life. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Ben Franklin said, right injuries in dust, benefits right in marble. I think that's a good practice. I I think a spiritual Christian, listen, he he lets harm go. He, He remembers God's benefits Folks, we're, we're getting close, and I, I know it shouldn't be this way, but a lot of times we, we all of a sudden become a thankful people because it's November. We should be thankful all the time, especially God's people. Thankfulness is something that increases our contentment. I read a story that was very fitting. There was a Quaker who once watched a brand new neighbor move in to their neighborhood moved into the house next door to his. And as the new neighbor began to unload uh, a whole truckload of exquisite furniture, modern appliances, electronic games and gadgets, they carried them all into the house and the, the Quaker actually leaned over the fence and he greeted his new neighbor and here's what he said to him. 
He said, if you find that you're lacking anything, he said, let me know and I'll show you how to live without it. Because many people are never content. And the Bible says here, let your moderation, your sweetness, your testimony, evidence of the grace of God and your contentment for the things that you have. He says, let it be known unto all men. See, some of the greatest frustrations in our lives come because we have not learned the contentment of moderation. We've got to understand that contentment frees our hearts. And when contentment frees our hearts, here's what happens. We are able then to pray to God for what is significant. Many times, our prayer list almost sounds like something that years ago I used to write to Santa Claus. I want this. I need this. That's the way many people's prayer lives are. But can I tell you tonight that we need to understand that moderation is something that we need to display before this world that we live in. It was moderation that fueled the patience of these early believers in Philippi that Paul had led to Christ, and it enabled them to endure during these very trying times, and they did it with God's grace, very graciously. I, I see people sometimes suffering, and it's evident that the Lord's working because of their spirit towards that. See, they endured graciously, but notice, secondly, they expected patiently. In verse number five, this phrase is there. The Bible says, the Lord is at hand. Everybody see that phrase there? Now, do you know that the scriptures, the word of God teaches that the Lord's return is imminent? Do you know what that means? God could come back today. God could come back before this service is over. Now, I know there's naysayers out there. There are people that will say, well, listen, it's been that way for years. Some people, and it is true, if you read and study the writings of the Apostle Paul and Peter and others, it was evident that they believed that the Lord could come back in their day. And some people say, well, it's been 2,000 years. It's been longer than that, and the Lord still hasn't come back. No man knows the day nor the hour. The Lord could come back today. And what we need to understand is, is that these folks, and it's a great example for us, that this reason here to live with contentment is because the Lord is at hand. This phrase means the Lord's always near, but it also means that the Lord's return is near. And we are not alone. We are just like them. We are to be looking for His coming. The Lord could come back today. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse number 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, the Lord says, I'm always going to be with you. Uh, my, my return is near. Uh, it be expecting my coming, but until then, he says, I'll be your helper. He says, don't be afraid of what man shall do unto you. It's a tragedy when believers forget God's presence in their lives while they're facing trials. And this is why Paul was writing to those in Philippi, don't forget about how God has worked in your life and how God has been there for you in your life. Look, even mature believers from time to time will have a lapse in their faith. It, it's happened to many of us. But look what the Bible says in Psalm 73. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. What is Paul writing to them about that God has preserved in his word? It's this matter of moderation and patient faith that helped these early Christians that brought encouragement to them, and it helped them to have hope for the days ahead, for their souls. See, they were, they were people that endured graciously. They expected the Lord to come back and they were doing that patiently, but then notice letter C, they encouraged continuously. In verse number six, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, 
By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now the word careful, be careful for nothing. The word careful means to be full of care, to be anxious. Like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew, Therefore I say unto you, look at these words, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not better than they? Paul says, look, just be continually encouraged. Sometimes when when we live our lives, we are full of faith, and, and it's wonderful to be that way. The Bible says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. And there are times where we're full of faith, but there are also times where we are gripped by fear. We worry about everything. We lay awake at night. We look at our finances. Paul says, look, you need to have a prayer life that when these difficult times come, that you don't give in to the fears. Just remember that the Lord is able, God is capable of handling uh, the worries that we have in our lives. The Bible says, cast your cares upon Him. Why? Because He careth for you. God loves you. Look, would you agree with this tonight? If you're saved, you're a child of God. Would you agree with that? Do you think God takes care of his children? Now just think about that. That pretty much settles all your worrying right there. Is God ever going to let something bad happen to you? No. That would go against the nature of God. See, God cares for us. And these believers at Philippi, folks, just like you and I, they knew about the grace of God in their lives, and because they knew of God's grace, listen now, they were quick to follow the command, and that is to bring their needs to the throne of grace. That's what God tells us all to do. If you have a need, listen, don't go to the psychiatrist and psychologist. Go to the Lord, because God wants to hear your prayers. So notice, secondly, we see here that Paul talks to them about the prayers of the believers. Prayer, again, is that discipline in which we need constant growth. How many of you are like me? You feel like you need to work on your prayer life. Anybody else? I think that's one of the areas that we struggle in the most. And so, listen, most of it is probably us, but the reality is, is that the devil doesn't like a praying Christian. Because there is real power in prayer. And as Christians, we need to pray. And when we do pray, God answers our prayers. And I'll tell you this, that when God does answer your prayers, you know what it does? It encourages us to continue growing in our prayer life. Because we think about this, God answered that prayer. I'm going to pray about this now. Because if God answered that, God can answer this prayer. Now, remember, God's answers are not always what we want or what we expect. But listen, God's answers are what we need the most. We need to know what the Lord wants. So notice the desire for our request. He says, let your request be made known unto God. D.L. Moody said, some people think God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. Moody said this, the way to trouble God is to not come at all. Not come at all. God wants us. Let your request. God wants to hear from us. Why? Because He's our Father. He loves us. He wants us to come to Him. And sometimes people, uh, you know, listen, uh, I realize that uh, there's, when it comes to me being the pastor of this church, God placed me here and Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Just like Paul writes, I love you people. Listen, this is my family. This is my church. I love being here, and I love each and every one of you. But 
there are times, almost, listen, probably either every week, maybe every couple weeks, where one of our church members will, and it happened this past week, where one of our dear members was in the hospital. And she was in there for an entire day. She got out. Two days later, her husband called the church just to let us know. And the, the, uh, one, of my, one of the assistants answered the phone and said, oh, we hate to hear that. Is she okay? Yeah, she's, she's doing all right. And he said, and I would have said the same thing if I answered the phone, why didn't you call us? Now, I'm going to say something, and I mean this with all my heart. But many times, even some of you will not call the church and not call me because you feel like you're bothering me. That is the farthest thing from the truth. I'm here for you. Brother Kenny is here for you. Brother Chris is here for you. Nothing that you ask of us is bothering us. I find that when people try to do this, listen, to attempt to carry on in our lives without God's help sometimes can be construed as prideful and it grieves the Lord because God desires to hear our burdens. I tell people all the time, listen, if nothing else, give us the opportunity to let the church collectively pray for you while you're going through this. I understand sometimes people, they, they just, well, I, Pastor, I know you have a lot to do. No, I don't. Listen, if you call me tomorrow, everything that's on my plate would get set to the side. That would become the first thing that I would be doing. And I'm serious about that. Those two men that worked with me, they would say the exact same thing. There's nothing so important. Look, all those things can be taken care of later, but lives matter the most. And God gives us opportunity. Look what the Bible says when you think about the Lord's desire to hear our burdens in Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now folks, can I tell you tonight, look at me. I'm not a priest. I never will be. Now I'm a part of the priesthood of the believers according to the word of God. I can't absolve your sins. I have no magic dust. I have no holy water. But I will tell you this, I know, and you should know, our great high priest. And I want you to get excited about this, because look at what the Bible says here. Our great high priest passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now look at this admonition. Let us therefore, because he has done what he's done, because he has given his life, by the way, he deserves our honor, our respect. The Bible says, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. Why? That you may obtain mercy and find grace in time of what? in time of need. If you have a need, God wants to hear it. Now, you know, look, we can all say, well, he's God. He already knows it. He still wants to hear it. God wants you to verbalize, to pray to him. Folks, can I tell you, there's no steps to climb when we approach God. There are no special requirements, no rituals that we need to perform before we can enter into God's presence. But the question is this, God has given us the invitation. Look at it again. Let us therefore come boldly. Is that an invitation or not? God's invited us. I want you to come to me. You're my child. I love you. God's given us an invitation, but the question is, why don't we come? Or let me say it this way, why don't we pray? Because if we have a need, that's what a Christian should do, is go to the Father. Why do we only go to God whenever it's a dire emergency? You know God wants to hear from us all the time. 
not just when there's a fire going on. I, I, I wrote down here three common, and they're not in your notes. You might want to jot these down, but it, and it's nothing new, but there's three common hindrances. Why Christians neglect prayer? Three words. The first one, pride. Pride. Because sometimes, here's what happens is, we have a too high of opinion of our own abilities, what I can do. And sometimes we don't pray because of pride. The second one is unbelief. Say, wait a minute, pastor, I have faith in God. I'm a believer. Listen, remember how many times Jesus dealt with his disciples because of their unbelief? Remember their little faith that he told them about? And there are times in our lives where we pray, listen now, we pray, but we really don't believe God's going to answer that prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you most of us have done that. That's why the Bible says when you pray, don't ask amiss. Pray believing. How many of you believe God can answer any prayer? Any prayer, right? If, if God can save to the uttermost, if God can save Saul of Tarsus, God can answer any prayer. But see, sometimes the reason we don't pray is because we don't believe that God can answer that. I mean, honestly, if that's what you believe, there's no sense in praying. But let me give you this third one. The third one is something that I think, yes, we're guilty of, but I think also that part of it is the work of the devil, and that is busyness. We don't pray because we're too busy. We're very busy people. Most homes, if there's two spouses in the home, generally what happens is they're going different directions, both working jobs, the kids are going here and there. We live very, very busy lives, and we fill our lives with things. And those things, guess what they do? They crowd out God, and we don't have time. So many times, Christians neglect to pray because of pride, unbelief, and busyness. Yet, listen, Jesus, remember, he knows our infirmities. Jesus knows our frailties. Aren't you glad that even though he knows us, he still loves us? And he knows how frail we are, so what he does is he admonishes us that when we pray, that we pray persistently. Look at the Bible says in Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, that doesn't mean while you're driving your car, your eyes are closed. But it does mean that we should always have a spirit and attitude of prayer. And he says, I want you to be persistent. God wants to hear our request. So we see the desire for our request, but notice secondly, the delivery of our request. Now, when you look at these verses in Philippians 4, there are in verse number 6, three specific and direct offerings that you and I as Christians, as believers, should bring to the throne of grace. Notice, first of all, the delivery of prayer. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It, it is not that we don't have time sometimes. Listen, we can make time for what we think is important. Is that not true? I think it's not necessarily that we don't have time. I think it's more of that we don't have an interest. That's the simple truth. Because if we had an interest... We would pray. I mean, you know, even in my own life, I, I find that there are things that I allow in the way that I don't, and, and I think to myself, I don't have as much interest in prayer as I should. But folks, listen, we have so much to gain when we pray persistently to God. We short ourselves of the blessings of God, the power of God on our lives when we do not pray. And so he mentions to the, those in Philippi, he says, the delivery of prayer. But the second offering is the delivery of supplication. The word supplication means the earnest, sincere desire of the heart. That's what a supplication is. Lord wants us to bring his bur our burdens to him. Listen, those burdens 
that are the dearest and closest to our hearts. George Mueller, who was used mightily by God, George Mueller said this, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. That's how Mueller prayed. You read the accounts of those orphanages, that's exactly what would happen is while they were praying, there was a knock at the door. God would show up during those times. See, God desires that we bring our needs to Him. But not only our needs, but we also can bring the needs of others to Him. Look what the Bible says in Acts 16. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? They prayed. The Bible says they prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. See, he's talking about the delivery of supplication, what's nearest and dearest to their hearts. That's what Paul and Silas were praying about. Their feet were in stocks. They were in the inner prison. They didn't know what the future holds for them. They didn't know if they were going to make it out, but they prayed. They made supplication. But notice the third the thing that I see here is the delivery of Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving's not just a day of the year that we celebrate. It's a part of our prayer life. Look, don't just be thankful. And by the way, it's a good thing when God does answer your prayer. Don't just be thankful when your prayers are answered. Can I tell you that when you pray, that your prayers should include Thanksgiving in your request? A lot of times, like this morning, I prayed and thanked God for what he was going to do today. I had no idea what the Lord was going to do. I knew the Lord was able. But I thanked God ahead of time because I know that God wanted to work in hearts and lives. What happens is that things happen in our lives. Circumstances come into our lives and those circumstances cause us to lose our thankfulness. Before long, we're not talking about how thankful we are to God for this or that. The choice to give thanks, even when we don't feel like it, that choice to be thankful helps us to realign our hearts to this one truth, that God is good all the time. God is. You remember in the Old Testament, the young man by the name of Daniel Remember what happened to him? He was taken from his home. He was taken to a strange land. He was in Babylon. His whole life was upended. And there he was in captivity. They were trying to change their names. They were trying to put him on a, a different diet of food and things like that, different than they had been raised. In other words, they were trying to take away their identity, who they were. You remember what Daniel did during all this? Daniel prayed. You know why? Because that's all Daniel could do. Look what the Bible says here. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, look at these words, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You know what that means? That when Daniel went to Babylon, like Mickey said about her friend, no one was going to take Daniel's spirit from him. It didn't matter what land he was in. It didn't matter if they were going to change his name. Daniel says, I just refuse to be unthankful. You know, that's one of the, the earmarks of this generation that we're living in today is people are unthankful people. Try this in your life this week, just as a little fun. If you're out, you go to the doctor, you go to the store. If, if somebody does something, even, even if, it, and it's their job, whatever they're doing, 
just say to them, thank you. And just watch people's faces. People will be like, wow. It's been a long time since I heard somebody say, thank you. We used to always teach our children, say, thank you. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I, I think it's a wonderful thing to be thankful, to have that spirit like Daniel. No matter what was happening in his life, Daniel was going to give thanks to his God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, in everything give thanks. Why? Because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will that you're a thankful person. You see, we can give thanks in our lives, but watch this. Can we give thanks when it's a difficult time, when we're going through a trial, when there's adverse circumstances in our lives? Remember, Daniel was in a very difficult situation in his life, but he found a way to pray. How can we pray and give thanks to God when circumstances are difficult? Well, I think about this. I think that God still has a plan. The Bible says this, that he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, God has a, when you're going through that, look, just keep praying, pray on through it. Go, go to the throne of grace and you can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time. Of need. God has a plan, but God also has a purpose when you're going through it. And God's purpose, I'm reminded in the book of Romans, that all things work together. The Bible says, for good to them that love God. Do you love the Lord tonight? The Bible says, look, just keep praying. You may not understand what's going to happen. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen in his life. He knew the writing was signed, but guess what Daniel did? Three times a day, with his windows open, with everybody watching him, with those knowing that there's that Daniel, that guy's going to pray. Listen, Daniel wasn't hurting them. He wasn't affecting them as far as anything in his life. It was his own personal life. But it bothered them that he was praying to the God of heaven. God says, look, I've got a, I've got a purpose. And we need to practice the patience of moderation when it comes to having discipline in our prayer life. And listen, when we do let our requests be made known, here's what's going to happen is that we will discover, thirdly tonight, real peace. I, I want you to see the peace of the believers. Because as you think about this, those prayers lead to the peace of God that passeth all understanding. The Bible says in verse number 7, the peace of God that, that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, that verse is a wonderful verse because it, it promises us as believers that God will give us peace in the midst of turmoil. I mean, when I look at that perfect peace, you know what it is? It's the result of real prayer. God will give you peace while you're going through it. And notice the gift of peace. It's a gift from God himself. The Lord of peace himself shall give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you. Uh, look, worry is something that many people struggle from. Can I tell you that worry is tension that takes place between the mind and the heart. That's, that's, that's the area that worrying affects the most between the mind and the heart. And it's when that battle takes place in our mind that it begins to wage a war in our hearts. We're torn by something going on in our lives. But when we release the, the cares in our mind to the Lord, we let it go. Look again at the verse, verse 7. It says, shall keep your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus. See, when we let it go, when we give it to God, and we start focusing our minds on him, Isaiah said, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. See, many times what we want to do is worry about it, but what we need to do is just give it to the Lord. That's prayer time in our lives as we allow our minds to focus on God instead of the problems in our lives, we're allowing God's peace to win the victory in our lives. Colossians 3, 15, let the peace of God 
rule in your hearts. Let God's peace have his way. God says, I don't want you to, to be anxious. I don't want you to take thought for your life. I love you. I'll take care of you. Cast your cares upon me because I care about you. And that's what Paul says. Look, I understand what Nero's doing to Christians. And it's during this persecution that you need to let your prayer life go deeper than it's ever gone before. Go to God. Don't allow these things to flood your mind and cause your heart to faint. The Bible says in Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Only God can give that kind of peace when you're going through a turmoil time in your life. And I see the, the gift of peace, but I love this as he, as he finishes here, the guardianship of peace. Because he says these words, shall keep your hearts and mind. That word there is to guard, to set up a garrison around uh, the heart and the mind. Satan, we know this, he's our adversary. He sends those fiery darts into our lives and the devil's going to do everything he can to try to uh, direct those towards our minds. But listen, God's peace, it's able to guard our hearts. God's peace is able to guard our minds, to set up that garrison around them. The peace of God comes when our minds, as, as we just read the verse, when our minds are stayed on him. We need to make sure that we, we, we keep focusing on the Lord. Somebody said safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Remember the disciples on the Sea of Galilee and the storm and the winds and the waves? The best place for them was right there. You know why? Because that's where God was. He was with them. You see Psalm 18, verse number 2, The Lord is my rock, is my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. God is the protector of our minds. See, people struggle with the, the mind. And by the way, that's the battle for most people, our thought life. But the Bible says again, look at verse 7, the peace of God. Do you have it tonight? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Prayer's a privilege. It's, a, it's, a, it's our privilege. Look, remember the verse, Hebrews, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, God's throne. It's a privilege to approach God. That's our privilege. It's also the source, prayer is also the source of power for our lives, power for the church of God, to do the work of God. But without prayer, without prayer, we might have activity, but we'll have little substance. I know this, people prayed for the service this morning. Dr. Mark Rasmussen that stood in this pulpit about a month ago, he texted me on Saturday night, which he does every week, he texted me, he says, I'm praying for you out there, I'm praying for the church. And I said, pray, tomorrow's our friend day. He says, I'll pray. I know, because he's a good friend of mine, that he prayed. There were many others that knew we were having a special day. And I believe with all my heart that the reason we saw God move was because people prayed. You know, we might have a wonderful building, you know, polished facilities. You can have all those things, but without prayer, there's little peace. See, a praying church is a church that seeks God's face. That's the kind of, that's the kind of church we need to be. And when I say church, I know it sounds like Bible Baptist, but remember, what makes up Bible Baptist church? is you and you and you and you and me, every one of us. We need to be people that pray. Let's bow our heads tonight. And as we've been talking about prayer, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us to pray. Earnestly, fervently pray.
for God to continue to work and use our lives. Lord, thank you for this evening. Lord, I know that in years gone by, some of the people that I know impacted my life the most when it came to prayer time, that when they prayed, their prayer life, it's almost as if when I heard them pray, that the person they were praying to was right there next to them. Like they really knew the person. Like knew them intimately. And that they had a confidence that when they prayed, that that person was actually hearing them. And that their prayers would be answered. And as I have grown as a Christian, I realize that that person is the Lord Jesus. And I'm so thankful that we can pray just like those that I've heard in my life. We can pray to a God that we know in a personal way. And it's, you're a God that we know from your word that you are able to do that which we cannot do. God, you can do the impossible. All things are possible with you. Lord, help us to be a people that would be praying always, persisting in our lives, pursuing you in prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us your peace that helps us to guard our minds and our hearts when we're anxious. Lord, I pray that you help us in our lives to not just talk about praying, but that we really would pray and that we would see you answer prayer and it would encourage us to pray even more. There are so many that need to be prayed for. Some of those that were here today were friends of some of these in this auditorium tonight. We need to pray for those folks. Pray for those that maybe weren't here today. And Lord, throughout our week, every day, Lord, help us to pray always. Pray in everything, giving thanks. Lord, bless this simple invitation tonight. In Jesus' name, would you stand?